Lex Out Loud is firing up our microphones, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banner friendly, the conversation, well, somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we are spouting off about using unused hardware. Let's get into episode 50. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by Linode and Bitwarden. With me we this week, we have the photographer extraordinaire of the Tux Digital Network, Wendy, and the person with the totally unhealthy obsession with OpenSUSE, despite how much you argue about it. Nate, what's going on, guys? Almost totally. <laughs> I rest my case. I'm doing all right. <laughs> nice to hear from you two again, since we didn't get a chance to record the show last week. Well, these things happen. You know, it's like uh, that whole like real life stuff sometimes kind of smacks you in the face and, you know, it's got to kind of roll with the punches, I guess. And sometimes you, you know, roll into a ditch and wait for the next week to show up. <laughs> and last week was definitely one of those weeks where it just didn't seem like any of us could get aligned together at the exact same time. Though we did put out a little short with my two building beasts. I hope you guys enjoyed that short. It was a lot of fun to make. Well, it certainly made me laugh. Well, at least the outtakes definitely made me laugh. <laughs> the de- the yeah, outtakes de- definitely made me laugh. I... You guys got the outtakes. Magneto helped. And while the entire little mini show itself was a lot of fun and there was a joke in the beginning of it, the outtakes of that show were, well, quite hilarious. And Magneto would fit into this crew perfectly. There would be a lot of bad Magnetos. <laughs> there were a lot of bad magnetos in those outtakes i mean i would enjoy it it's just gonna be a lot of editing for you right <laughs> in the outtakes you're correct however all right wendy so besides uh having fun recording sessions with magneto and i'm surprised he didn't break anything in the process other than maybe use the script on occasion uh what do you got going what do you got going on still robotic stuff robotics is ruling my life this week As of recording, so recording on February 10th, it's supposed to be state for Northern Idaho. They're supposed to be doing their state on February 11th. And right now, it looks like they're really, really struggling in order to get volunteers to come help out. What do the volunteers do? Well, they help with judging of the different speeches that the kids do, those different presentations. The volunteers are helping to judge those robot runs. And if there isn't enough people in order to do all of that, it gets canceled. Unfortunately, the rule with FIRST is if it's canceled, it doesn't get rescheduled. These have been on the books since late August. So there has been plenty of time to try and get volunteers and stuff for this. And they're struggling to do that up north for their state competition. May they go ahead and reschedule it? Possibly. We don't know. It's kind of up in the air. We're supposed to be doing our head-to-head with Northern Idaho on the 18th. And it's pretty frustrating because we can't fully plan where we're going until after that head-to-head happens. Because if we win, we get to choose whether we're going to Texas or California And if we don't win against Northern Idaho, then they choose and we go to the place that they don't. So booking flights, 
can't happen. None of that can happen until after that head-to-head is over where we know exactly where we're going. You know that it is much, much cheaper to book flights way out ahead of time than booking them really close. Right. So that part's super frustrating. We'll see what happens. I don't want us to win by default just because we were able to get volunteers and they weren't. If we're going to win and choose which direction we're going to, I want it to be because our team has worked really hard. They put for they put forth better presentations, their innovation project stunned the judges, something like that. And not because, well, by default, we're the only Idaho champion because we were the only ones able to have a tournament. So that's kind of got us bummed for the kids up in Northern Idaho, potentially. We'll know for sure tomorrow if we're able to watch those runs or not. We do know someone that is helping with the volunteer side, and they'll be able to give us a heads up whether that's happening or not. And so I hope they do. I wish the best to all the teams in Northern Idaho. I know we would be incredibly bummed if we'd put all of that work in and it got to time for state and then, oh, we're out of luck. There's not enough volunteers. So thanks to all the volunteers that are out there that helped with our tournament, that helps with all of the tournaments across the country, across the world. And we're really hoping that Northern Idaho gets a chance to do their tournament and for someone to take that Northern Idaho championship. Yeah, for real. I mean, to get this far and then not have volunteers to finish it out, that's that's kind of a kick in the teeth. I mean, and I, I agree that not being able to you know, compete to win, it's kind of a hollow victory if you win by default. Right, exactly. So we're hoping, I've got my fingers crossed, that Northern Idaho gets to go tomorrow. And if it does get moved, I have no idea when they would move it. They have got so many other first events scheduled right now that it would be pushed way far back. And it would be potentially on a day that my co-mentor wouldn't be there. She'd be off with the older team as they have a tournament almost every single weekend after the 18th, our older FTC team is competing. Oh boy. So it's really important that it does happen tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I hope it can happen. That'd be that would be great if it could. Yeah, that's sad to hear that volunteers are that hard to come by. It really is. Especially after the kids have put in so much work, you know, for all the teams and stuff over the course of your uh, robotic season as it has been for the last few years. So uh, let's hope they're able to pull through and do what they need to because like Nate said, that would be just kind of a hollow victory. Yeah, definitely. And our team, our entire team feels the exact same way. They know how upset they would be if they didn't get to compete. And They want to be able to do that head-to-head with Northern Idaho. They've worked hard for this, too, and want that next step. We'll see what happens. I will update you as soon as I know anything. So on next week's episode, actually, if you are listening to this on the day that it drops, which would be Wednesday, the 15th of February, if you listen to us live, then you'll know the same week you're listening to this, whether we're competing on the 18th or not. So make sure you're checking out the live show. Exact time and date is on the Discord form for the last several weeks, and it'll be included in the show notes for this one. 
I love being able to put the time and date on the Discord form because it automatically adjusts to your location so I can put in the time and date for my location and then no matter where you are around the world based on your time zone it adjusts for you. I find that to be so much easier than reading off a list of times. If you go ahead and just check that in the Discord form you can join us live the same week as episode 50 drops. You can also hear episode 51. Now Matt you are having way more fun than I am. I'm now panicking, hoping that Northern Idaho gets to compete. You actually have gotten the bits and pieces for your Atari VCS to upgrade. How did the upgrade go? So the upgrade for that has actually been pretty easy for the most part. Um, I took it all the VCS basically all apart. For those that want to know, it's uh, T10 hex uh, T10 torque screws which is kind of annoying not gonna lie then you need a i think it's a t5 torque screws to use that so i had to go and actually buy another torque screw (laughs) a torque screwdriver set again because the ones i had were not for that which was kind of obnoxious but i am i have upgraded the ram to 32 gigs and i installed a 512 uh sata 3 drive Overall, I'm kind of impressed with the performance. Uh, so if you're talking strictly Atari OS, which is obviously what it comes with, you will see performance improvements in kind of the UI and stuff, but that's because I installed four times the memory. And I also tweaked some of the integrated graphic settings. So it was using four gigs now of shared system memory as opposed to whatever the default was. Oh, wow. I bumped up the... Uh, performance level of the the dual core four thread cpu that comes with it so the performance increase has been nice uh i literally have maybe had 20 minutes basically i installed gruda on it i wanted to go the libre elect route it for some reason wouldn't detect the integrated uh wi-fi card at all so i was like okay i'll try Something else. So I tried Garuda uh, Wayfair, which is a Wayland compositor that kind of uses uh, a lot of like Compez effects and like fire and all that jazz. But it's really super lightweight. Couldn't get Wi-Fi to work on that. So I was like, okay. So I just went with what I knew would work. And Garuda is currently on it. I have to spend a lot of time setting up Cody, which is going to be the thing that irks me once i actually get it set up it'll be great it's just the setup process to get to there really big pain in the butt (laughs) what do you mean that it's a really big pain in the butt pulling out all the data from one system to another because the the laptop that i currently use is like my quote-unquote home theater pc Um, i have to pull off the data that's on the internal drive there because i don't have all of that on one of my backups because it, it, it's kind of like throwaway media that I've ripped onto the, the actual system. Oh, okay. And then getting all the scraper and information and stuff so that things like TV shows and movies bring up the right artwork and bring up the right information when you actually use them and that kind of stuff. Ah, okay. Just small stuff like that where I could fix a lot of that with editing meta, uh, metadata, but I also am not, no. <laughs> not, not interested in doing that manually? 
Yeah. So <laughs> whereas if I install this and I have things labeled right with the right metadata scrapers that are in Cody, it will actually just pull all that information in once you tell it where to pull the information from. Gotcha. Now outside of the the um the metadata piece of your upgrade to this, your 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 usage of the Atari VCS, <laughs> has anything else been painful? Have the upgrades themselves been a headache, like a, a substantial headache, or has it been standard fare as far as doing PC upgrades or maybe like laptop upgrades? So the only potential like problem area that some people might run into when you open the VCS, there's obviously anybody who's built a P- their own PC. There's four, sorry, there's five screws holding down the, the board to the, the bottom chassis. Now, when you pop open the VCS, there's the two ante- uh, wireless antennas that are kind of tied to or taped to the top that you have to fold over. Those can come unplugged if you're not careful, but that goes with a lot of different PCs. So it's getting to the RAM is kind of obnoxious because you have to actually take everything, all the screws and stuff apart and move the board over to the other unit of the other base unit that you were using that you pulled off to get to the RAM. The the SSD, super simple. Only problem with the SSD is you better have a, uh, like an NVMe, like screwed or a spare screw to use because uh, it doesn't have one. <laughs> ah, that's good to know. So that was probably the biggest pain was just accessing the RAM. Once you actually get it apart, it's actually not that hard to put back together. Um, it's just... Certain things you have to be a little more careful of. Uh, one of the screws, though, for those who do end up having this or tearing it apart, the logo that lights up where, where the Atari logo is. Behind that, there is a light in a clear plastic rubber piece. You have to loosen up the screw that's holding down that rubber piece because there's actually a screw to undo right underneath that for the board so you can actually flip it over to actually get to the RAM. Hmm. Okay. Some sort of light piping that that assembly that's in the way is that what that is? Uh, no, no, no. It's literally it's literally a white clear rubber piece that presses up against the Atari logo that lights up the logo. Huh. Oh, okay. So you literally have to just un- unscrew that a little bit because it's fairly tight, and just turn it to the side, and you'll see the screw for the last screw that you'll need to undo for the board to get to the RAM right there and then just undo that and the board will flip over the rest of the screws are pretty self-explanatory to find the only thing is you have to take the metal guard around i believe it's the cpu stuff that you have to unscrew to actually be able to flip over because there's a couple of screws underneath that it's not that big of a deal it's literally uh you don't have to take off a lot of the stuff that i've seen a lot of people taking off in some of their other videos that they were doing well it's good to know i uh, i was feverishly taking notes because you know reasons <laughs> I wonder why. You might be upgrading <laughs> yours soon. I never said I had one. <laughs> I know you have one. You said on this show that you ordered one. Oh, did I? I didn't say I had it, though. Yes, you did. You, yeah, you did. Oh, okay. Well, I have many head injuries, so. <laughs> I will say that the performance, once you do the upgrades, so I, I just briefly looked at the system monitor uh, from what I was using for Garud or running updates and a few other things. The utilization isn't horrible for the CPU. It's what you would expect from a dual core system. So do keep that in mind. But overall, like UI responsiveness and all that kind of stuff has been pretty good. So I 
as far as like on desktop stuff, like I haven't pushed it for anything, but I can't say it's horrible. So if you're looking for a upgradable small form factor kind of PC that's got a unique aesthetic for 200 bucks, uh, okay, it'd be probably close to the three by the time you upgrade it. But if you can get it on a deal, I can't really say it's a bad system if you need a, a dedicated system for fairly cheap. Yeah, I mean, for like a home theater PC or like casual gaming or, or just like just a fun computer not doing AAA, it seems like a, a good deal to me. <laughs> <laughs> so while I'm uh, tearing apart things, Nate, you're building things over at cubiclenate.com specifically around ad blocking. Uh, yeah, so I, I had a lot of people that asked me about what I do, you know, about ads and trackers and whatnot, and... I started writing something a while ago, then I just kind of abandoned it. And then I kept getting asked these questions. So I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to say what I do for ad blocking and why I think you should. It's not like a, I wouldn't call it my best work, but it's just kind of a very basic. These are some, a couple of easy steps. The easy step being running uBlock Origin on Firefox. I don't know if you can do that on Chrome or Chromium anymore because I know there's some things changing there. Uh, and then Pihole. So I think Pihole is a fantastic way to, to really get a lot of that cruft off your network, especially when you have very low bandwidth. Like I don't have great bandwidth, but because I do run the ad blocking, I can actually use, utilize the internet very cleanly here. Because if you, you know, if you put a lot of devices and such on your network, specifically things that phone home all the time, you got Android devices, those Kindle devices, uh, other things like the Fire Stick. Yes, I have some Fire Sticks in the house. Uh, so... I apologize for uh, disappointing everybody again, but those do a lot of just nasty things on the network. And so putting up a pie hole really helps to filter a lot of that cruft out. And between those two things, I can use a lackluster internet service for you know decent things. Like, you know, I, I live stream Linux Saloon from here. My internet is good enough to handle that because I've taken all these other precautions or I've taken these other steps, I should say you know, to filter a lot of that, those DNS calls and the traffic and whatnot. So it's just a little article around that. That's really it. Not a whole lot of major excitement, but just something very basic. I really like the ad blocking different stuff. It's one of the things that we do both with a pie hole and on the browser itself. I've said before that it's not necessarily ads that I am against. It is some of the ads that are being shown to my children and mostly the tracking that is coming with some of those. Right. And for my household privacy and for the protection of my children, that's the biggest reason why I run the stuff that I do. I also find it really handy because my internet really isn't the fastest that some of those phoning home features that different devices will do if it's not blocked at the local level can really bog down your internet connection. And so I think those are all fantastic reasons to have some of this stuff installed. And I'll be definitely looking forward to your article and seeing what some of your reasons are. I agree also that sometimes ads that are shown are inappropriate for children. And because it's difficult to be a helicopter parent, you know, I only have so much gas to be able to hover over them throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't stop them from everything and you got to be able to filter out some of those things like they don't need to know different enhancements you know that's just not something that they need to know or be exposed to right it's just better to block these things out and it's really unfortunate you have to do that because i do believe that websites and and these different services out there they have to be able to pay for things but 
these ad agencies are doing such a disservice to consumers and to you know those that are trying to run websites because they're just doing just egregious bad practices. And so mm-hmm. until maybe they grow up and, and start behaving, uh, we're going to have to just block them outright. Visit linode.com slash tux and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. From their award-winning support to ease of use and setup, it is clear why developers and businesses have been trusting Linode for their projects, both big and small, since 2003. Don't worry if you're just getting started. That 24-hour, 7 days a week, 365 days a year support is offered to every level of user. They also offer industry-best price-to-performance value for all compute instances, including shared, dedicated, high memory, and GPUs. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible, allowing you to focus on your customers, not your infrastructure. Visit linode.com tux, create a free account, and you'll get a $100 credit. Say you're in a hurry. Don't worry about it. You can build everything yourself or use the Linode one-click apps to deploy everything from Plesk, WordPress, to Valheim, and Minecraft servers. Make sure you visit Linode slash Tux to get started for free and snag that $100 credit while you're at it. So... We get asked quite frequently to do some live streams for the show, but as we've mentioned, our recording schedules can be quite hectic. So we do have a live stream for Linux Out Loud. So come join the fun. Hear us totally go off topic all the time as we do. I know Wendy cries every time she edits. And (laughs) just, (laughs) just come join the fun and have a fun stream with us while we talk about some Linuxy related stuff and see what we're up to. You know, Matt, it's mostly in disappointment with you, but that's why she cries. (laughs) No comment. Uh, Nathan. Yes, Matthew. All right. So while we are talking about some of the things that we had going on in our lives, we also mentioned a lot of hardware and stuff that we were, uh, kind of using like in my case the atari vcs and having a use for it but the question is we have a lot of hardware what are we not using that is looking to actually be usable (laughs) and that is a tough question sometimes but wendy what would you say is something that you have that hasn't found its total use yet one of the things that's on the top of my list right now is that libre computer La Potato or The Potato. I have not actually got to use that gosh dang thing yet. And I talked about the fact that I wanted to. I wanted to throw Armbian on it. And there was actually some feedback in the community saying that they really, really enjoyed playing with Armbian on their own devices at home and some of the functionality that it has. But it just keeps getting put on the back burner. One of the things is I do need another SD card for it in order to make sure I got enough whatever to run it. I thought I had one in the house tracked down and now I can't find it. So that's part of the reason just being so busy with robotics and some other stuff going on means that I haven't had the time to play with it like I'd like to. And I still think it's an incredibly cool device. I will get to play with it. I just haven't yet. I've had this thing since, of course, Christmas time. I knew I was getting it before then just because you know, Magneto and some of the ways that he 
drops hints not knowing that he's dropping hints. That used to be me, where he would know exactly what he was getting for Christmas. And now it seems to be the other way around. I've been pretty good at hiding it, and I know just about what I'm getting every year. So I will get to use this. I will get it figured out, but it's just not something I've got to use yet. Nate, you always have a workbench of stuff that is being worked on. Is the top thing on your list not being used because it's scheduled for the workbench? Uh, No, the top thing on the list is not being used because I don't know exactly how I'm going to use it. It was an impulse buy. I don't do this very often, but there's a a very esoteric Canadian computer called a Naboo personal computer. It's basically like the first cloud computer uh, ever released. And it was kind of a way I had to like turn some knobs in a website to be able to find this and, and whatever else that another retro computing enthusiast told me about. So I got myself this Naboo personal computer. It's very rare, really. And I got it for pretty cheap. I want to do something with it. And I don't know what yet is the thing. It's really cool looking. I don't know why. It just has a very has a very 1980s look about it. And since I'm kind of a nut for the uh, the things that are old, I have no nostalgia for such a thing at all. But I just think it's a, such a cool idea that there was a cloud-based computer from the 80s that obviously didn't take off because, well, network connectivity wasn't ready yet. So I have it, and I have a, some Raspberry Pis laid out, like thinking that I'm, I might have it the, the Raspberry Pi serve it, you know, stuff and be able to use it just, just for fun. It's, it's actually very closely related to like an MSX as far as the, the hardware configuration. I know, Matt, you may know what an MSX is since you're a gamer from years gone by. You might be familiar. Yeah, isn't uh, the Japanese, isn't that the Japanese version of the Nintendo? Yes, yes. I figured you did because you like, you know, certain Japanese things. So um, that's that's something I want to play with. And uh, it's just not quite, I'm not, not there yet. I got a few of the things I got to clear off the bench. In fact, I started clearing off the bench today a little bit to make room for it. I had like a, a, uh, a metric ton of three and a half inch floppy disks that needed to be boxed up. So that, I got that done today. But yeah, no, there, there's, it's something that I, I really want to dig into and do something very Linuxy and cool with. I just don't know exactly what yet. So did you get the whole setup, including the original monitor? What came with this awesome purchase? So no monitor. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, I'm not one of those retro enthusiasts that really like CRTs, the cathode ray tube monitors. I, I like them, but they're kind of heavy and bulky and uh-huh. unwieldy. So, but I do like them, but I just don't, I don't, I don't really want to collect CRTs. You don't like them that much. You'd rather have the rest of the hardware that actually runs the software right. instead of the monitor. So those, those monitors are, are consumable items and they burn up over time. And you don't know what you're going to get like when you get a CRT, especially if you have it shipped to you. So I just have the computer part of it, the main, the main unit. I do have to take and build a, like a DIN connector to serial so that I can plug it into a Raspberry Pi or another computer. I actually might just use mm-hmm. my Commodore 64 Imposture to drive it actually because it's not doing much else. I'd really like to t- to take a some sort of an ESP32 based device because that can do serial communication and then that can just talk on the network and make it a lot simpler than just have it you know log into it serial over the uh, over the Wi-Fi like a telnet I suppose that might be more complex I may not do that but I was thinking that might be a a, a better way perhaps so there are images you can run and they have they have um 
on like a, a modern computer to serve it information and, and menus and, and and games and so forth. And a lot of there's been a lot of work to port things over to this. And I'd like to to jump on that and have some fun with it. Uh, between my workbench needing to be cleared off and some other more pressing soldering work I have to do on something else. Yeah, I, I, I do want to get to that. I just, nothing seems to happen quite in the timing that I imagine in my mind. Seems to be a theme in your life, Nate. Oh yeah, so like, uh, if we're talking about like, who's the biggest disaster on this show? It's probably me. <laughs> no, they definitely were before their time. I'm looking at some of the different ads they have. Switch on to smart TV. They were on the right track. They were just way, way too far ahead of yeah. everybody else. Yeah, they're about 30 years in the future, really, is what they were. Well, Matt, you are playing with something that's not quite so old. What is that? A laptop? <laughs> a desktop? Well, seeing how all my computers have shrunk down in size from going from full-size towers and desktops to, you know, Intel-sized NUC PCs and whatnot... Uh, I ended up getting a heck of a deal on a Ryzen 5 3500U, 8 gigs of RAM, and a 256 gig SSD for under $200. It was a hundred and whoa, 169 and some change overall. What, is this thing like uh, used and broken, or is it actually new? Was it a return item? You're close. It's a refurb. Like oh, okay, factory the factory refurb. So I was looking just total impulse buy, not going to lie. Uh, like kind of like you, Nate, with, <laughs> with the thing you bought, total impulse buy. And I was like, ah, for 200 bucks, like under 200, especially. I was like, I've bought more systems off eBay <laughs> than that don't have those specs. I'm not having high expectations because it's a gateway. Now, Nate, you will probably remember that name. Of course. Did it come in a giant cow box? It did not, because Gateway is now owned by Acer. Oh, man. Here's a fun little fact about Gateway. Totally to derail the subject. Did you know that Gateway Shock. actually bought the Amiga from Commodore as it was going out of business? Fun fact, they didn't obviously hold on to it and sold it off to somebody else who sold it off to somebody else. Anyway. Who sold it off to somebody else's? <laughs> no, no, they bought it from SCOM because they went out of business after they bought it from Com Anyway, yeah. So they had they, they held some Commodore IP at some at one point in time. Shock. So uh, for me at that price, I was like, this could be the worst build quality ever, just from a spec point of view. Don't know what I'm going to use this machine for. Distro testing, distro hopping. Not a not a clue because I've I've tried dwindling down the amount of machines I have. Unfortunately, that whole tech person thing inside of me ended up being. Uh, winning that fight <laughs> yeah for sure when i saw this come across i was like holy cow that would be an awesome thing to pick up yeah i am curious when you do get to sit down and use it what you do think of the keyboard the build quality all of that it's nice to see some newer laptops even though this is a refurb coming back down into price ranges it's easier to afford yeah, definitely. So that was a lot of it. Um, like I had been kind of like, eh, you know, I miss having uh, like a distro test machine because all my systems right now, except for one, is AMD. Uh, one system has a NVIDIA card, but the actual system itself is AMD. So the fact that this is all AMD stuff 
because literally I have the Steam Deck. I have, I literally have all Ryzen stuff. I don't have one in single Intel system. I didn't even realize that until now. Hmm, really? Uh, the mini PC is a mini forums Ryzen. Steam Deck's Ryzen. The Atari VCS is a Ryzen system. The actual creator's laptop that I have is a Ryzen system, barring the GPU. And the new system is a Ryzen system. Well, hot dog. That's weird. That that has been years since the last. <laughs> I'm just coming to that realization. Wow. Uh, so it's been years. Planned, unplanned, totally unplanned, totally unplanned. I have no allegiance to one or the other as far as like system stuff. No, this is one of those systems where I really don't know what I'm going to use it. Like I can find a use for it. It's just I don't know what it is. I'm gonna probably do an unboxing of it. I'll probably do some distro testing on it. Spec wise, it looks good. It's like I said, it's a Ryzen 5, 3500U, 8 gigs of RAM, 256 gigs of storage. It's a 14 inch display, which I, I prefer the smaller, kind of more compact form factor of uh, laptops. Mm-hmm. Uh, full HD display for under, you know, under 200, 169, some change. So generically trying to find that has been a nightmare. So even if I don't like the builds of the system, I can't really fault it based on just price alone. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if you have a good bang for your buck on this one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's, that's fantastic. I'd like to see you install something like really cool like OpenSUSE on it. So maybe think about that. <laughs> so I'll probably install something like Gerudo Whalen just to spite Nate. Uh, or sorry, Wayfire, not Whalen, uh, which uses Whalen, but <laughs> just to spite you, Nate. I'm not sure how that would spite me. I mean, I think if, you, if you're telling me you're going to install like uh, Windows 11, that'd be more spiteful, I think. No, no, no. See, here's where the spiteful part is. There's already Windows 11 on the machine. It's just going to get nuked from orbit before I even press the power button. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not what—that's not simply because I dislike Windows. I have a Windows 10 machine still around because I at least certain things I need to update and that kind of stuff. More about necessity. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Windows 11 for me, though, out of just... It's requirement for a Microsoft account. It's requirement for pushing ads into the file browser. It's a requirement mm. for privacy nonsense is just like that was my limit. So Windows 10 for me officially was the last Windows system ever again. Dead. I will I will go to Mac OS before I go back to Windows. Wow. Wow. And we know how much you loved gaming on Mac OS. What gaming? <laughs> exactly. No, that, that's why I have a Steam Deck, Wendy. Oh, okay. So, Matt, there is also the possibility of free BSD. That could be, uh, if you just can't run Linux, you can always do that. That's a nice backup. <laughs> I'll go use TrueOS. Hello, Magneto here. This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we, well, that they use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password as well as additional authentication such as master password and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your password safe. From me. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. $10 premium account includes one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, or Duo, 
Vault Health Reports, and TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation. And Priority Customer Support. Make the smart move, like many from the community have, and go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. If you're like my wife, Sinister Wendy, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition only starts at $10 a year. Thanks to Bitwarden for supporting this episode of Linux Out Loud. Magneto out. All right, so while I'm buying hardware and having issues trying to figure out what I'm going to actually use it for, Wendy, you seem to have issues with, well, printers in general. Yeah, so this is something that I thought I had fixed, and I actually don't. And then the printer at the same time is now living in my spare room, and we've had someone staying in the spare room for the last week. So I've been struggling to even be able to fix it because I couldn't have longer prints. Um, Space-wise, there were things that I couldn't really spread apart. Space-wise, there were things that I couldn't have on the bed. I'm really limited as to the desktop style area and so using the spare bed in there to set some different things on to get some lego stuff currently out of the way i haven't been able to do that so one of the things that i did do is i went from the direct drive system back to the Bowden system nope we're still having an issue and it looks like either a heat creep issue or like it did when there was a retraction issue. So that bottom end of the filament will end up swelling up, getting too big, won't fit through the Bowden tube itself anymore. And so then of course you're not printing because it can't get down in order to be melted. I thought it was maybe something to do with the direct drive. The Bowden system is still having the exact same issue. I decided, okay, Maybe there's some filament that got in between the Bowden tube because I still need a teeny one, even with the direct drive system. Maybe I didn't have something aligned right. There's some melted filament that got between the Bowden tube itself and the portion of it where it gets melted. Took it completely apart, cleaned the whole thing's top to bottom, put a new nozzle on the hot end, put it back together. Nope, still having the same issue. And I have no idea what is causing it all together. I've gone through all of my settings again and again. And I know it can work with an Ender printer. We actually had some feedback on the discourse form. If you check out episode 49 from the ashes where I'm talking about Clipper and how much I'm loving it and all the fantastic things about it. We have a fellow listener who is also using Clipper, and it really is super awesome. It's a great system. They are using it with an Ender 3, so the same model that Nate has without any of the issues I have. It's not necessarily the software itself. I really don't think it's in the configuration files, but it could be. There could be something I'm missing there. I'm not a genius by any means when it comes to 3D printer. I'm very much a newbie. I'm still very much trying to figure all of this out. And I'm to the point where I'm extremely frustrated with the whole situation. Let me ask you a question. When did you start having a problem with the 3D printer? Like when did it start, like the, the clogging, when did that start happening? Well, I would say it started happening when I switched everything 
over, but at the same time, that's when the printer moved from the kitchen to the spare room. And the last thing that I can think of right now would be some sort of a power issue. I already know that that end of the house is on a breaker that's probably too small and that the 3D printer itself could be potentially pulling too much power, especially where I'm running PLA. The temperatures are actually quite hot for quite a while and maybe that's having a negative effect. I know the lights in that room will flicker when I'm heating up the bed and the nozzle temperature at the same time if that light switch is turned on. So it could be mm. as simple as removing it from that room just because its power source in general isn't as stable as it could be because that breaker just isn't big enough to handle that section of the house anyway, let alone having something that power hungry on it as well. That's pretty much, at this point, that's the only thing I can think of unless there's somebody who's willing to help me go through the configuration file, potentially finding some errors in there. I know I've done all kinds of setting changes. I've thought about even replacing the motor itself, but that motor is moving. The motor seems to be moving properly. It doesn't seem like the motor's dead. I thought, well, are the teeth on that gear that's pulling the filament through bad? Nope, that doesn't seem to be the case either. I really don't know what else to do at this point. The only reason I say is, and this actually was part of my host late interest, but ah, whatever. I wonder if it might be your thermistor. I already replaced the thermistor because that was a problem before and I have run all the proper PID settings. So here's what happens. It'll clog, right? If I go in while it's still running because it's printing but not actually printing anything, pull the filament out, cut off the end that is now too wide to fit through the Bowden tube and feed it back yep. through, that puppy mm -hmm. melts like there's nobody's business. It's not a problem. Yeah, that's why I think it might be a thermistor issue. So here, This is the reason why I'm saying this. Okay. And I, I, was, I was thinking about this because I'm having a very similar problem. In fact, I'm having the exact same problem with my printer. And it all started when I had a thermal runaway. Ever since then, if I run PLA, it gets clogged up inside there. If I run ABS, I don't have any problems. So I think, and I'm just, I'm guessing here, I don't know for sure. You might want to check and see how your thermistor, that it's pushed all the way inside the, uh, the, uh, the hot end, the, uh, that block, the heater block. So this one doesn't go inside. This one actually screws onto the side of the heater block. And then it's okay. got this rubber piece that goes on the outside of it. So I did yeah. change it in the the settings as to which thermistor that I'm using. So yeah, it's not that little glass one anymore that slides into the heater block. It actually screws in okay. just above that or just below where that little glass one goes in. I don't know. Maybe it is a thermistor issue because I was having thermal runaway problems before. I replaced the thermistor and it was working for a very short time after I'd set those retraction settings and I'm right back to where I was before. I'm going to be pretty upset if I just bought a thermistor and it's already bad. Yeah, I bought a pack of them because sometimes they might spit out a bad, a bad unit. You know, it could be that it's just a bad thermistor. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. I'm not trying to give you any false sense of hope, but that's my sense of hope. Uh, and that's what I'm going to be doing probably working on tomorrow morning. <laughs> 
Well, I'm kind of curious as to how well that fixes yours. I think what I'm going to do first is pull my printer out of that room. I think I got another area in the house I can put it in that's not necessarily the kitchen, but at the same time, not on that same circuit that it's in now and just see if that makes a difference. If that doesn't work, then I guess it's time to order another thermistor and give that a go. The one that I bought, and if that's the case, I may not buy it again. I've not been overall happy with the length of the cable that comes with it. So this one had supposedly a pretty long extension on it and it just barely fits. And so maybe there was one time where I didn't have things quite adjusted well enough. It pulled on those cables maybe too much. And so now there's a wiring issue just mm -hmm. because how short it is. I think I'll go with a different thermistor if that's the case this time instead of sticking with the brand that I did. I wouldn't say I'm overall happy with it and definitely the length of the cable. Yeah, it's just a thought. And, and also as far as location goes, just put it wherever the, the Christmas tree was. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It lights up, you know, it, it brings joy to the family. Yeah, that's pretty much about where it was going to go. It was right in that same realm <laughs> of where the Christmas tree was. Well, my living room was arranged for having a Lego table, a robotics Lego table. So a whole game board on there for pretty much all of summer. That had to come down so we could put up a Christmas tree. And now I've got that whole wall that's open. So I was already planning on using it as some sort of a Lego robotics station anyway because if my 3d printer was printing i would have had the project done where i was turning this upright toolbox into a robotic station that would have been done it would have been in the living room already and we could be playing with more robotic stuff than we are right now as far as on a home basis label we play with robotics all the time when we're out of the house but that's probably the best Place in the house for it to go at this point. My biggest worry is right now we've got three inside cats and I really don't want them messing with it, messing with the wires. So I am going to need to get this ding thing enclosed somehow as well. But at least if I pull it out of that room and I'm not having any problems with it again, I'll know for sure it was a power issue. And if it's still having those problems, then it's time to keep digging. And like you said, possibly replace that thermistor one more time. At least it was the least expensive part that I purchased. So is that a positive or a negative? I don't know. I would say positive, but that's me. <laughs> so apparently we're going to keep rolling right into 3D printers and you're having the exact same issue. So does it look like... Heat creep, when did yours start? So mine started after I had, I was, doing a lot of, I was doing a lot of printing and I was printing off a, um, it was a component for something. I was printing off something and I came back out and it was the, the, the thing was screaming because I had a thermal runaway and it shut, shut itself down. And then after that, it started like printing really poorly, anything PLA. And I would have that, that really weird, like it would soften, like the, it's like the filament would soften too quickly and uh, it get clogged up in there, and it couldn't. The stepper motor that pushes it in would start like grinding or crunching or whatever, and it wouldn't be f putting enough filament down, and so the, the prints would be really weak. It's a direct drive printer, so there's no Bowden tube issue to, you know, be be the problem. 
and it truly is the area of it's it's softening too soon inside of the the, the printhead. And I looked and and all the um, the airway is open. There's nothing blocking it. You know, so it should, that heat break should be enough. You know, with the air, with the uh, the fan blowing and everything else, it shouldn't be an issue. And the only thing I can I'm left to think right now is that it's probably got to be the um, that thermistor might be all goofy now, sending bad information or, or whatever, because I can print ABS no problem, which is much hotter, requires much hotter temperature than than PLA. That doesn't have the same problem as PLA. So that's the only thing I can think could possibly be the problem at this point. And it's very aggravating, and I just haven't had the time to to fix it or, or to dig into it because of uh, reasons. I'm trying to better organize the kitchen and specifically want the drawer with all the silverware. And so I start printing off some stuff like to uh, some better organization stuff, basically. Which, by the way, it's not going to work, at least not this initial uh, round of it. So a lot of, lot of wasted filament. But anyway, uh, I, I need I need to better organize some things in, in the uh, the kitchen, which, you know, might you know, make my life a little bit better there. Yeah, we're definitely kind of stuck in the same place with the 3D printers. I hope it helps you. I'm printing PETG. And it actually prints pretty gosh dang hot and I'm having these issues with it. So hopefully it's the thermistor. Mine doesn't seem to be all that soft itself when I pull it back out of the printer and I'm checking to see. I don't know. Hopefully the thermistor fixes it. Yeah, it was it was crazy soft was my issue. Like it was literally just crazy. Like it was just I couldn't believe how soft it was when I pulled the PLA out. And so I think it's either there's some magical blockage going on inside the printhead, which I don't see anything, or it's right. got to be the running too hot. Yeah, yours most likely is running too hot if that is your issue right there. And with ABS printing just fine, just making sure that when you finally do get that thermistor put in there, retuning your PID settings is going to make a big difference in how well it works after that. New thermistor, new run with PID settings. Sounds like fun. <laughs> you know what is fun? Matt's game of the week. <laughs> well played on the <laughs> transition there, Wendy. That was a pro segue right there. Totally. <laughs> Wendy's probably the only professional here. Me and Nate sure as heck aren't. <laughs> well, I try. It doesn't always come across, but I got a good one every once in a while. <laughs> So this week's game of the week is the Technomancer, which is the best way to describe this is like a budget level um, Mass Effect. So it's what you would probably consider like a double A studio. Um, it has a bit of a higher budget than what you would find in like an indie title, but it's a action RPG. The third person uh, it takes place on kind of like a dystopian Mars that you play. I guess police force uh like the the societal stuff's a little weird in this uh the story so it doesn't really tell you where you kind of sit in that aspect but it's a choice driven um action rpg uh with electrical powers so you get to you know channel your kind of inner superhero and that kind of stuff so that's always fun uh nice little game it's like nine gigs for the download but on gog right now you can get it for two dollars Oh wow! So I would highly recommend it if you are looking for something that's a little bit different. Doesn't have like the best animations or the best story or any of that kind of stuff, but the overall package and at that price is definitely worth it. 
I love it when you bring us games that you're like, you know, it's not the best one, but for this price, it's totally worth picking up. Speaking about gamings, I know it's going to be hard to believe I'm going to take off track just a little bit. I was talking to my daughter about, hey, when are you going to do a 24-hour live gaming stream, which I'm not actually going to make you do that, Matt, since we did run state, but it was one of the things that I was thinking (laughs) about, at least some gaming stream in general. And my oldest daughter said, you know, it would be really cool if all three of us played Overwatch together. Overwatch 2? Um... We don't have the second one. We just have the original one. But on the second one, can you do that from different places? Uh, so if I'm Activision Blizzard is weird, I think it's the game that my kids have been playing the most lately is Overwatch. And of course, we can thank Matt for that one. The first time he saw it, it was on a really good deal. I said, hey, your kids might like this. Yes, they absolutely love it. They have it on PC and for... Oh, you mean over- Override, Overdrive, Override. Yeah, Override. There we go. That's the one. If I get my name right, that'll help. I was going to say, over- Overwatch, um, if it's the original, I think Activision Blizzard killed that game when they launched too. So that's why I was a little little, Confused. little concerned there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, I would definitely... Uh, I know they have the second one Um out for it too but the first one's still playable i don't know if it's i haven't looked to see if it's cross-platform like multiplayer or not but uh i'm willing to play that you it's on pc anyway so it's yeah usually get it for fairly cheap so i don't know maybe we can do a game night where uh you know we we gang up and and kill wendy because that's exactly what's going to happen Uh uh-huh exactly so my kids have also named the retro looking one budget prime (laughs) <laughs> budget prime <laughs> so for those that don't get that reference as a play on optimus prime from transformers <laughs> yes oh that is good that is that is good not gonna lie <laughs> uh, i figured you'd get a kick out of that but no uh, i'm totally up for uh doing like a game night uh like some type of co-op game um override or you know whatever game we already did a basically a full playthrough of among us so we can't really do that again at least right off well we could but this would be a lot of fun this one takes a whole bunch of skills that i don't have and everybody would get to laugh as i die repeatedly when i play this with my daughter i get to be on her team she doesn't allow any of her other siblings to be on her team but she does take pity on her mother and lets me (laughs) just kind of free ride <laughs> so for those that don't know uh override is a, a mech combat game or giant robot combat game for you know kaiju you call it whatever you want uh game where it's a co-op game that it's it can be 2v2 1v1 uh four players and just have a brawl that's literally the entire concept of the game yep And you get to destroy all kinds of things. My daughter's favorite weapon is the frying pan. That's usually how she's finishing people (laughs) off. So so if you're looking for a fun co-op game, I cannot recommend Override enough. Uh, It is is a fun game. Not going to lie. Yes. And it's one of my favorites for the kids. Favorite kid suggestion. Override or Overwatch? It's called, the first one is Override Mech City Brawl, and you've got multiple locations to be in. There is a second one. We've never played the second one. Kids really enjoyed the first one. I have never actually seen this game played. 
I know nothing about it, so I'd probably be really awesome at playing this I'm game. sure you would. You're going to be better than me. I mean, hands down, it's kind of hard not to be better than me at games like this. <laughs> Is this a an, like Xbox Play type game? Is uh, so it, it's a multiplayer game, a multiplayer focus game, whatever. It's literally like a video game version of Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Yes. For, for a few, if, if you want kind oh, okay. of the real world comparison. Uh, it's definitely a fun game. Uh, the second one I haven't really looked at, so I can't really speak to that particular game either. All right. So I guess the next thing is to figure out a time, then we can sit down and play this together. You mean I have to play video games with Nate? Yes. (laughs) Oh, you like it and you know it. Why must you punish me, Wendy? Like your favorite thing. Oh, it'll be fun. And you know, you want to. It's your favorite kind of punishment. (laughs) Uh, so at least from what I'm seeing on Open Critic, the choice not to implement crossplay harms the long-term appeal. So we'd have to play it on PC. Alrighty, that's good to know. So I haven't checked its rating on Proton DB just to see if it's at least playable. I know so. what we'll be playing together. So thanks for the new suggestion for a really cheap game that does look like it could be kind of fun. We'll check it out. Do know rated M, rated M <laughs> language. Not for the kids. Definitely not for the kids. So do keep that in mind. Okay. So we need to specify the game of the week, the Techromancer, not for the kids. Override is rated T for teen for the quote unquote violence. It's just robots going after each other. All of my kids play it at your own parental suggestion, but I don't think it's that bad. So there you go. Two for one, all for $2 and whatever override might cost you. <laughs> woo, woo. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topic. Hit the discourse form, drop us a line under this video or the contact form by visiting textdigital.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show description and find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, Linux Saloon, and many more at TuxDigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I Pause My Game to Be Here shirt. I do it every week. And... Or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. She really is that sinister. As always, we thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next week for another awesome episode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banner friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. <laughs>